Welcome to the Rise Out Podcast, a podcast by parents for parents. I'm your host, Kaz Casillas, husband, father, and performance coach. We discuss topics around the areas of resiliency, nutrition, exercise, rest, recovery, and everything in between. Join us as we all learn to live well, feel well. Here's today's episode. Enjoy. Today on the show, we have Dennis Dumphy and Neil Valera. They are co-founders of Stick Mobility, and they have gone deep in using a specific approach to training with isometric resistance and becoming groundbreaking innovators in the field of self-care health with a focus on mobility. Stick Mobility is a training system that improves flexibility, strength, and coordination while teaching clients how to mobilize their joints, actively stretch, while incorporating powerful warm-ups and recovery techniques. Welcome to the show, guys. It's nice having you today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. We appreciate you letting us come on your show. I appreciate you having uh, the ability to come into our community and really talk to us about why stick mobility. Why is it that you do the what you guys do? The longevity. We want people to wake up in the morning feeling good, and when you feel good, you're a little bit more confident. And that's a lot of what people lack nowadays is they don't feel great. They lose confidence. They don't move as well as they used to. We hear that all the time. When I was 15, 18, 20, I used to do this. And it's that moment of, well, that was 20, 30 years ago. You should still be pretty close to being able to do the same stuff that you did before. You just lost focus on how to keep doing those things. So we want people to have that end game, that long game perspective on why they train and how they train. You know, you brought up an interesting point. We always look back at what we were able to do when we were 15, 17, 18, back when we, the glory days, we would say, you know, <laughs> Yep. but as parents, you know, my wife and I created a, this company rise out so that we could touch base with parents who have lost that connection with who they were, what they did, and how to keep that going. So I really appreciate you guys providing those tools, those techniques, and those online platforms and videos that we as parents, we as individuals and fitness gurus can actually dive into and be able to learn from you guys. So I really just commend you guys on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now, can you tell me a little bit about what brought you to where you're at now? Either one of you guys. Well, I started, so I started training in, in 2007. Um, I graduated college in 06 and I was, I played golf in school and I wanted to be a, a pro golfer, but that didn't happen. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, and then after that, I was like, well, I don't really want to, I don't want to sit down. I don't want to have a desk job. So let me go get into something I'm passionate about. <clears throat> and I always loved training. So, well, you know what? I think I could do this. So I went and got a few certifications, started at a corporate gym. And then after a year at a corporate gym, I realized, ah, you know what? This, this setting isn't, isn't for me. I'm going to go out on my own. <clears throat> and in 2000, well, probably late or mid 2008, I went to a small studio. Um, and that's where I met Dennis there. Okay. You know, from there, we took a bunch of different courses together and then eventually starting stick mobility in 2015. And a lot of our clients had 
similar issues, work with predominantly people over 40, 50, you know, people dealing with injuries. And, you know, the biggest thing with working with that type of clientele is bringing back movement quality and, and working with them while they are in pain and figuring out different ways to what strategies can we use to, to still get them progress while working around things. And then eventually, you know, getting that, getting them out of pain, hopefully. You know, we hear a lot about pain and people get so used to pain back and forth and it just becomes an everyday part of life. Now, I feel that pain should never be a part of your life unless you've had like a life altering injury. How do you, how does stigma mobility, how does it help pain from becoming an everyday part of your life? Well, a lot of times we have to figure out where, where, what is the root of the pain? Is it a, a pathology that a clinician is going to have to address this crazy issue? Uh, or is it a musculoskeletal issue, soft tissue issue? Once you figure those out, then that helps you strategize what the, how you're going to attack that uh, issue. A lot of times we, we're in pain because we lack stability in certain areas and we feel it in others because of the line of pull that's taking place due to the compromise in structural integrity that we're getting in one area. So whether a muscle is inactive, it's not able to keep tone, maintain tone when necessary, or it's over facilitated, we can figure that stuff out and then we can say, okay, do we need to bring stability? Do we need to enhance neuromuscular control through a certain movement? Is it an angle or a lever length that that person can't uh, lose control of at a certain point? Okay. So we also, we always look at movement is we're told a lot of times movements are bad for you. You shouldn't do certain movements. Movement is not the issue. Movements are great. If we, if movement was bad for us, we wouldn't see contortionists. We wouldn't see acrobats. We wouldn't see these people if movement was bad for you because what they do is exactly that. What we have to look at is a lot of times if someone can't put their arm overhead into a pressing position, well, yeah, they may not be able to get all the way overhead here, but if they can raise their arm here, this is still that pressing motion. Their body says, okay, I can handle this angle. I can handle this lever distance. I can handle it. Oops, right here, I can't. Okay. So then we bring it back down to a safe angle and a safe lever length that the body can still control. And then we isometrically, progressively increase that range of motion and strength and bring back that awareness and that strength in that position. And we know through isometrics, we can strengthen up to 20 degrees uh, uh, on either side of the training angle. So we use that, lock it in with no movement, bring stability, neuromuscular control. And then all of a sudden you start to see people get that full range of motion and it takes time. So it, people do have to have patience. That's one thing that when we're in pain and when we have injuries, it, it's, it's a natural thing to want to get rid of it, but it's a slow process. It probably took a lot other than a traumatic impact injury or something uh, spontaneous like that. Most of the time, your injury was just a buildup over time, and one thing finally just brought it to the forefront. So if it took eight, 10 years for that to finally manifest itself, it's not going to go away in 15, 20 minutes. So it is a process that you have to have patience, 
Uh, you got to reinstitute the connective tissue in with the muscle. So that way you can dissipate those effects. You know, it's interesting how you brought up about, you touched on injuries that's progressive over time. You know, Mm -hmm. I blew out my patellar tendon in 2017 in an intramural basketball Mm -hmm. game with our, while I was coaching and I was lifting heavy, pushing, squatting, but I never really focused on mobility and flexibility with dynamic or static stretching prior or Mm -hmm. post, you know? So it's interesting to say that my injury could have been developed over a course of so many years of neglecting those aspects. Yep. Very true. You know, and that's, and that's where we kind of want to play detective as a coach to figure out, okay, let's backtrack, let's reverse engineer and see what with communication with the client, getting more backstory and then having an idea because what they do when they leave the gym affects everything. So we have this tend to have the scope of just what we do in the training facility, Mm -hmm. but we then have to ask these people, what are you doing outside of the training facility? Because even if a client comes to see you three times a week, three hours a week and trains with you, that's still less than 2% of their whole entire week. So what are they doing with the over 98% of the rest of the time that they're not seeing you? And do are you giving that person the tools and the knowledge to be able to understand and comprehend what they're doing in real life is affecting them? That is correct. I mean, as a parent, I mean, I'm a father of two boys and a, and a young lady who's 13. And I constantly have to watch myself with what I'm doing because I'll go to work, come home and I'm tired, you know, or I'll come home and I'm I'll go from one activity to the next, cook dinner, and then I'm like sitting down on the couch. But it's not like I'm stretching or actively doing something. It's just kind of plopping there. You know, a lot of parents tend to do that. And we're not sitting in the most ideal situations either. Positions, you know, we're either compensating our hips to the left, lengthening the right hip or shortening Mm -hmm. the muscles on the left side of the hip and causing imbalances that way as well. It's funny that you talk about sitting posture because that really does affect a lot of people, especially if we're doing a lot of it. Uh, and when you talk, that's the whole reason why ergonomics came to be, right? Yes, correct. That just boomed a whole industry in and of itself. Uh, so you do, when you talk to clients, you say, okay, what your chair, how long have you, have you had that chair? Have you had that thing replaced? Uh, have you had it reupholstered? Have you had the foam in it replaced? This stuff breaks down because we shift our weight. It's it's subconscious. Like Mm -hmm. we just don't realize we do it. But if you're sitting there watching a show for two, three hours and your hips are kind of off kilter a little bit, well, that eventually is going to come back and bite you in the butt at some point. Literally, right? The other thing is when we're in these positions as adults, we're not not really moving around. Like I've got a a year and a half old and a four-year-old. My four-year-old is starting to watch more TV now. But she doesn't stay in the same spot. She's she'll she'll move here. She'll change her position, change her leg position for an hour, and that's not something that we do as adults. And that's something that's that we could probably do and get rid of her. I know we have uh, well floor based sitting versus sitting in a nice comfortable chair. Yeah, you're giving up one thing. It's like in some cultures you sit on the floor on a pillow. 
The pillow makes it a little bit more comfortable, but you're still loading the hips a lot more than you are in a conventional chair or a couch, which deloads you. So that way, when you feel that pressure, then all of a sudden your brain says, okay, let's change position to relieve that pressure. So there you're constantly going to be moving. And that's one of the issues is you just get so locked into one position for way too long. And you're just not pumping fluid through the body like it needs to be. Uh, you know, that's another aspect that we educate people on is the vast majority of the human body is fluid and space. Mm-hmm. Fluid has to move through space. And if fluid doesn't move, it stagnates. And sometimes people just have to be asked those questions, right? So if you ask somebody, what happens to water if it just sits? And everybody says, well, it stagnates, right? Well, the same thing happens in the human body. If fluid doesn't move, it stagnates. So we want to make sure that we're just moving gets that fluid pumping up and down. Just doing something like little hops for 30 seconds to a minute displaces fluid gets elasticity back into the connective tissue. So those are things that we want, that we just try to bring to the forefront to people because they just haven't thought about it. Of course, you know, parents don't know. So they just need to be taught that sometimes, you know, we as fitness professionals or people who are in the industry have gone through classes and we've been taught so much about mobility and flexibility and the ability to move and not move in certain in certain positions. However, even we make the mistake of sitting for too long, especially like conferences or traveling, you know, we are given a chair, we sit, or we're in the driver's seat or the passenger seat for hours at a time sometimes. So it's interesting you bring that up that breaking up our, our day or even the activities that we're doing into small segments and putting in movement throughout those times. Mm-hmm. it's something you want to try to slip in, even if it's for 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Uh, a little dose is better than no dose yeah. when it comes to moving the body. And I, and I think that's the problem is we've been so kind of fixated or brainwashed. It's just being told that it's an hour. You have to devote an hour. Yes. And so if people don't think they have an hour, then they just say, okay, I'm not going to do it. So it's, no, it's 10 minutes. Give yourself 10 minutes. Exactly. If, if you do it 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes midday, 10 minutes in the afternoon, evening, you got a half hour. Granted, it was separated, but at least you got 30 minutes of small dosages, then nothing at all. Exactly. The worst thing I think that we could do is not move at all because of the fixation, like you said, of being told or taught it has to be more than 45 minutes consecutively, an hour if you want to get good results, or 90 minutes if you want to get extremely good results. Mm-hmm. So I think that confusion or that misrepresentation of what we see on social media, on the internet, has plagued our society to the point where people don't want to do anything anymore because they don't know what's best. Yeah. Yep. I think people undervalue walking very yes, much. That's correct. And it's basically... If you're able to walk, it's the easiest thing you can go do as an activity. You know, you I mean, know, we thought- look at yeah, we look at books, right? You, you got all these books out there, Daniel Lieberman. Uh, you have some great authors out there that have studied this stuff for a long time, and and walking is the original form of movement and exercise for humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get outside, get, start hiking. Start if you're not a if you're not an, a regular hiker. Start with small doses. 
you know, go out, take a hike for a mile, mile and a half, and then come home uh, and do that for a couple of weeks and then build up on top of that, add another half mile or another mile. Uh, I, that's the other thing that people tend to do is they don't do anything at all. And then they go full bore into something mm. and the body's all like, yeah like you start pulling hamstrings or carrying oh, yeah. your achilles or you hear a lot about plantar fasciitis and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. and yeah because you don't have you got people that don't have a lot of good foot function so all of a sudden they go you know this is the time of year where at the beginning of january you had all these new year's resolutions it's cyclical you see it every year box gyms are packed uh st- training studios are busy but mostly in the box gyms you see the places packed and then by this time mid-february the eh, place is a lot emptier exactly. because you had all those people that went from doing zero to 100 miles per hour with nothing incrementally in between of course so there wasn't that buildup, and then you know, four or five weeks later, those people are all broken down. And so they stop doing that. And then that creates that mindset of, oh, the exercise wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like, no, it was fine. It's just your approach, your strategy wasn't optimal. Exactly. It's like taking a Ferrari from zero to 100 for the first six months of its life and blowing up the engine because there was no, there's no gradual increase of or breaking in the engine at a gradual uh, pace. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. I've been kind of snooping on your Instagram since we, since I first was introduced to you by the company I work for. And it's interesting to see how you talked about your, your feet, you know, how if you don't have good groundwork or good strength in your feet, it, it impacts the rest of your body. It's interesting because, a lot of the times that you're training at your facility, you're barefoot. Can you um, tell us why? Yeah, I'm barefoot. For most anytime I'm in my gym, I'm barefooted. Uh, yeah, other than walking outside, it's about the only time I, I have footwear on. Um, and even when I do have footwear on, it's very minimal footwear, non-supportive. I want my feet to do the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually got turned on to barefoot training probably about 12 years ago. Uh, is when I bought my first pair of Vibrams, my five fingers. And I remember when I bought them, I put them on and I wore them just walking around the house for just a couple hours. And it was amazing how the next day, how sore my calves were. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, that's insane. Just from a couple hours of walking around it, nothing else. So that was a real eye opener as to the effects of the foot all the way up the entire chain. And so that's when, from that day forward, I I progressively started incrementally increasing how long I wore those shoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to love my Nikes. Um, I used to, I would have at any time in my closet, you know, 10 to 12 pair of nice Nikes. I loved the way they looked. I was always like, oh, that's a nice pair. I'm going to get that. Of course. But to go from them to going into a minimal shoe, I knew there was a lot of training that needed to be done. And so- Uh, people always ask me, well, what, did you start running right away? And I'm like, no, it took me three months before I did my very first run in my five fingers. And even then it was a one minute run. That's all it was because I, for me, it was long 
long game. I want that longevity. So I don't want to think too short term. How is this going to affect me, you know, 10, 20, 15 years down the road? Of course. And so that's why I, I didn't have any issues uh, transitioning into that barefoot lifestyle. You bring two interesting points about that, that kind of what we've already touched base on is that a lot of times people make the mistake of going from zero to a hundred in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you, you put on your shoes and gradually worked up to be able to wear them continuously to where now most of the time you're barefooted, which it doesn't impact your day anymore because you're used to it. Second point is that connective connectivity between your feet and your hips and all the way up the chain and all the way to your, your brain. And the fact that we wear shoes all the time, mm-hmm. you know, I've noticed that a lot of our shoes are very narrow. You know, my feet are very wide, so I have wide feet. So I naturally don't like wearing shoes anyways. So it's funny to come home from a long trip or just from work and I pull my shoes off. And now that my son sees that he's four, he does the same thing. He hates shoes. He always walking around barefoot. My other, my other boy wants to wear shoes because he takes more after his mom. She loves wearing shoes. She can't stand yeah. the floor, you know, the feeling between the floor and the and your skin. Mm-hmm. And that's how he is. But a lot of times I walk around barefoot at the gym and I'm like, man, this feels so good. Yep. And, and it really helps your overall quality of movement because your proprioception mm-hmm. is, is better. So we when we get people to squat and move and deadlift with that have been used to shoes and then Mm. they do it for the first time in bare feet across the board. The response is always, wow, that felt way better. Mm -hmm. Well, if that, if that's the response, then that should dictate your approach going forward. Of course. And so if you get better response and the brain automatically says, Hey, we've been missing out on this, then that's what you should do. And I know the, you know, I know the stigma between bare feet Mm. is, you know, it's dirty well, dude, the stuff you tracked on the bottom of your shoes to come into the gym, that's okay. You know, and then we get the question a lot of times with bare feet, people go, well, you're going to get athlete's feet. And I'm like, okay, you don't know how fungus works. So if I'm in a dry, sunny, arid climate, it's not going to get fungus, right? So no. your dark, damp foot in a shoe, that's the perfect time for fungus to grow. That's a scientific way to happen. Yeah. They just don't think, like you said, they hear things, they just latch onto it, and they don't critically think through the process of does that make sense? Of right. Course. So, yeah, I, I've loved barefoot training. It's probably one of, one of the best things that I've transitioned over to. Uh, and then, really, the other one, too, is not using gloves on my hands anymore when I, when I lift. You know, back in the day, you know, it was always put your gloves on. And so now it's, no, it's bare hands. It's, I want that feedback. I want that input from my hands to my brain. Of course. Well, I think people don't, don't realize the effects of like really bulky shoes on their feet and that, how, what it does up the chain. You can think about wearing, if you had to wear mittens all the time and do everything with mittens, you know, how much senses would you lose? You wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't have the same dexterity. Of course. And you wouldn't get all the same muscles to fire too. Of course. It's all about being able to feel the things that you're doing. Yeah. And making that connection between your brain and the rest of your body. Yeah. It's kind of funny to talk about the mittens because growing up in New York, 
in the wintertime, snowball warm, fights. Mm-hmm. So you, if, you, if your parents put mittens on, you were like, I can't make a freaking <laughs> snowball. You just so you ripped those suckers off. You ended up taking your mittens off anyways because you're like, now I can make the yeah. snowball. Oh, yeah. So it really shows you a perfect example of what that confinement does to as far as taking away ability you can throw curveballs right so you can't get <laughs> on right you know you exactly snap in. well the one you thing know, is that you is, can actually make a more compact snowball without yeah, mittens snowball, right with the mittens you can't do that no. right you know it's like what you said with your feet being wide how many shoemakers actually dedicate engineering to people like you and i who have a wide foot exactly uh, they don't do that. You put no. even their wide sizes, you put your foot in, you're like, oh my Ooh. God, that is tight. Yeah. So I can't even imagine putting my foot in a normal shoe that's normal with like normal. I mean, my foot would be like, oh my God, what is going on? Exactly. And that's one thing I, I start why I started wearing or walking around barefooted at, at home a lot more is because I got tired of my feet being achy all day from being crammed in those shoes. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it really started after my knee, my knee injury, because I was walking around barefoot all the time anyways. And I got used to the sensation of the carpet, the the different tile, the different ground, mm-hmm. you know, the different textures. And my body was like, you know what? This feels pretty good. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, we need some more of this. Mm-hmm. And those little contour changes are really what helps create displacement of the joint. So that way you keep those 33 joints in the foot, you keep the space in between those joints. Of course. So people forget when we walk on the same surface that's flat and level all the time, we don't get those contour changes. So we don't get those changes in joint position of the foot. So the foot, besides the shoe locking it in, the lack of those different contours also takes away the mobilization of the the joints in the foot. Almost seems like it weakens your foot a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. And we get that response because people that are used to shoes, when you have them start training without shoes and you ask them to start grabbing the ground or grabbing objects with their feet, they cramp up. They just don't. That's mm-hmm. that natural defense mechanism that the body goes into with the soft tissue. You get those cramps. So it's got to, it goes to show you that people just aren't, those people aren't used to using the muscles of the feet and the fascia of the feet. Exactly. My wife makes fun of us because she calls, she calls my boys and me monkey feet because we can grab yeah. things with our toes and just grab things and hand them to people, you know, and she makes fun of us. She's like, you guys are a bunch of monkeys, you know, just because yeah. we're used to grabbing things with our, with our hand, with, without our hands and just handing them over. Yeah. The feet are the hands of the lower extremity. And the toes are stubby little versions of your fingers. That's all they are. Okay. You know, and, and you see videos of people born without arms. Uh, you look at what they do with their feet. Mm-hmm. All they've done is adapt their system down the chain. Of course. You know, you'll see videos. There's one video of a girl. She She's making her, her she's using the blender, making mm-hmm. her morning sh- a smoothie. That's just impressive stuff. But that, that was... For that was forced adaptation, yeah, mm-hmm. right. She had no choice, of course, but it also shows you the potential of what can be done. You know, our body is such an amazing tool and it adapts so well. And I see that your stigma, your mobility stick that you have right behind you, is another version of a, a tool that we can use to adapt ourselves. You know, 
people use dowel rods. But once I started using your stick, I'm like, wow, this really is opening up different areas in my body that were not very open to begin with. Well, we like the stick because it, the, it's strong, but it's flexible. Yes. And the flex is the key there. So we get a lot of people say, well, I'll just use a wooden dowel. And we tell them, we go, look, use whatever you have at mm -hmm. hand. We're a movement company. The bottom line, we don't care what tool you use as long as you move better. That's our end game. And so whether you use a PVC pipe, whatever you have at your disposal, of course, we're going to show you how we utilize it first and foremost. If you decide to use one of our sticks, great. You know, they're, they're super strong. They have that flexibility. The flexibility is key because it allows you to get that little bit of yield and contraction. It allows you to add that energy to the kinetic chain and build some strength in your end ranges of motion, okay. which is what people really are not familiar with. So yes, you can do a lateral bow and arrow with a wooden dowel, but you can't push out on that wooden dowel. So you're not going to get the full tensional aspect that we're looking for when, okay. you're, when you're able to really push out on that uh, stick. Hey there. I want to say thank you for allowing us to come into your space and for taking the time to listen to our episode today. I would also like to ask a small favor of you. If you would please leave us a comment, a review on all major platforms of how we're doing and what you liked or didn't like about today's episode. We'd really appreciate it. We're trying to grow and we need your help. Please share with your friends, your family, and anybody that you feel needs to hear the message of living well, feeling well. Once again, thank you. Now back to our show. You know, it's interesting because the first time that I used it, I was like, whoa, this is a lot more intense than just using a wooden dowel. You know, wooden dowels break. PVC pipes are not as sturdy. They bend a lot easier. But the consistency of the stick was like a band with a bar with resistance and flexibility all in one. That's a great, that's a great point. That's very true. And so that and that's a, that's a big difference maker. People feel the difference, just like you said, Kaz, mm -hmm. when they grab it, and they use it for the first time. They're like, oh, this is vastly different. It is Because when we first started, we used PVC pipes mm -hmm. and bamboo. We used rattan sticks and, and people can if they want to scroll all the way back in our Instagram account, all the way to May of 2015, our very first social media post, people were doing the class with rattan sticks. OK, the problem with the rattan sticks is. Rattan flexes a lot and it mm. holds that shape. Okay. So we're like, oh, tons of warping. And so once it warped, you're like, oh, it's just a pain okay. in the butt. Got to get another one. Right? You got to replace them. Yeah. You gotta replace them. And that gets expensive. Which do make, we went to Home Depot, got PVC. We started using that, but then it was just so thin mm -hmm. and it really wasn't bringing that strength aspect that we really were looking okay. for. Uh, so then that's when we, uh, some partners of ours came in and said, Hey, let's design something for you. That's going to be a lot more 
uh, impactful for what you guys are teaching. And that's how they designed the sticks behind us. Man, and do, don't we appreciate your partners? Man, oh, they, yeah. they changed the game for us. Mm-hmm. Very true. And that's the thing is when you have a great concept and great ideas, you might need help getting those ideas and concepts out there and expanded. And so uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I know some people are really big into, I want to control all aspects of my business. Sometimes you just got to let go and and it's in your best interest because you're not an expert in everything that you're going to need to be an expert in to expand your business. So in that case, you are going to have to bring in people that know their expertise in specific things that are really going to help you out. And so with the sticks, it was Jeff and, and, and uh, Randy, they understand international trade, distribution, manufacturing. Neil and I are like, uh, we don't have any idea what that stuff's about, right? So we're like, okay. So we needed to get into partnership with somebody else to be able to get to the point where we're at. You know, it's interesting how you talk about partnering with people who know more than you. And that's how you grow. That mm-hmm. speaks volumes, especially in our world now, because we have so many people claiming to know it all. They have a one-stop shop for everything. So they're trying to cater to everybody, but not anybody at the same time. So I really commend you guys yes, for right. being so valuable and so vulnerable at the same time to say, you know what? I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, because I'll tell you, if, if we didn't, if we didn't partner up with those guys, you know, we, we would have still had a nice impact in the industry, but nowhere near to the extent that we're at. You know, I mean, we're in right now, we've got probably about, I think we have eight or nine international distributors. Okay. Uh, and we will be signing a few more in the upcoming years. So that that's, like I said, that's not something that Neil and I would have ever been able to do on our own. Of course. Um, and especially deal with the logistics of getting product overseas and oh my god that would have <laughs> my head would have exploded the so, different laws know. and the different regulations just to get oh. stuff across the ocean yeah, yeah. i mean I when you have to stop training basically yeah, exactly yeah i mean you would we would have had to spend thousands of hours learning something completely different right mm-hmm. which would have taken away from developing the system on how to use the sticks so of course then that's they they we let them do that we handle the education and the programming, and it's a great partnership. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, very true, very true. I was perusing on your website as well while, while we were confirming our logistics for the meeting today. And, you know, it's interesting to see that you also have online classes and certifications. Yes. Um, the online was due to the pandemic. Of course. You know, uh, it's something we would have done eventually. Uh, because we know people's schedules are, are constrained. You know, they have issues. Not everybody can take two full days off to go to a live course. course. Uh, so we needed to give them that option. The pandemic just pushed us into it a little bit quicker. Uh, the other thing that we offer too is we offer free classes. Uh, on Instagram, three days, three times a week, we have okay. our free 45-minute workouts. If you can't catch those as they're live, they get straight uploaded to our YouTube channel. So right now on our YouTube channel, I think we've, we've, we've got over 150 live workouts. Awesome. You know, I'll link all that information in the note, in the show notes below. 
and, and I'll link your YouTube, your Instagram. I'll drop direct links into your your registration classes as well as anything else that you're putting out. That way, our community can really grasp the vast knowledge that you have. Yeah, because we, you know, you're catering to parents, and parents want really to be able to play with their kids, get you know, move around and and, and feel good, and really, and grandparents the same thing. Yes. Ask any grandparent who's got grandkids, right? That that's what they want. They want to be able to have fun with their grandkids. And if you're immobilized, that really takes away from that possibility. So really we want does. to give people that ability and, and that's and that self-empowerment to be able to do that. It's interesting because my mission for my life is to be able to live a mobile, healthy life so I can live well, so I can feel well. And be able to play with my kids now and their kids as I get older. Yes. So and that's that, that's yeah, and that's the vast majority of people. It really is, you know. If we can't move, we get grumpy, we get kind of angry at ourselves, and we start taking it on the people we love the most. That's a great point. That's very true. Now, when did you know that you wanted to create? something uh, like what you have now? Was there a moment in time that you said, you know, I want to be able to, I have an idea. This is the product I want to create and I want to go for forth with it now. Well, we started off just teaching classes, right? We're like, we're just going to do this locally. This is just, Hey, we're going to do this as a, as an extra thing. Okay. On a week, using rattan sticks. And that started to, to pick up steam. And then, you know, well, hey, let's put this on social media. Threw it up there on social media, and all of a sudden it started to kind of blow up. And I'm like, oh, we might have something here. Okay. I'm like, well, it's need we need an official product here. And then that's kind of that's kind of how it happened. And then we got a huge opportunity from uh, from one of the professional sports teams. Um, and we actually did our first certification with the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. That was, uh, it was pretty trippy. We were, we've been on social media <clears throat> probably for about six, seven months and then okay. uh, got a DM on Facebook from Chip Morton, who was with the Bengals at the time. And I was like, oh, wait, what, what? I was like, whoa, yeah. this is crazy. <laughs> like, like, there was no, yet. there was no blue check mark yet. No, <laughs> no, there wasn't any of that. So you know, he was like, you know, I spent time just checking out social media, seeing if there's something new that I can bring in to help increase the performance of the players and the recovery of the players. Um, and so we met up with him when they were out here playing the uh, Niners. So we spent a couple hours with him and his staff. And he asked us, he said, do you have any courses? Do you have a certification? We're like, nope, uh, <laughs> nope. We just nope. teach what we teach. And so then he said, develop one. He goes, and I want the first crack at it. And so wow. that's what we did. So we took the next six months and developed our level one course and then pinged him and said, yeah. we're ready. He said, we're all ready. right, let's get out here. And that's what he did. So he yeah, that's awesome. At the time that we, we met him, we had, I think we had two or three prototype sticks. Yeah. So he got to use those. And at that point, we didn't even have this grip on it. Yeah. yeah. We had like a on those tennis like, wrap. Yeah. So yeah, your tennis handle wrap. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of our guys, Mike, he used to wrap 
all those. So the people that originally ordered, ordered the originals in the first year or so, yeah, one guy wrapped all those by himself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I hope you have one of those in like a shrine in your office somewhere. We still have some first generations. Yeah, That's because awesome. if you use it properly, the sticks are going to last years. And okay. so that's a big thing is, is really learning how to use them properly. Okay. And so that through our video content, our videos, we do, we do stress that you have to understand the intent of how to use these. And as long as you do, I mean, Neil and I still, we've never had an issue. We still have first generations and it's been six plus years since we've had them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they'll last you quite a while. So it, it, for the upfront pricing on it, it's, it's a great investment. It's one of the best things that you'll buy. You know, strong, flexible, durable, Mm -hmm. three big things that we as parents want. Yeah. And it doesn't take up a lot of space. So you can take it with you pretty much anywhere. And that's the other right. thing. It's like if you're a parent and you're always on the go, yeah, we might look a little funny on the baseball on the baseball field or the practice field, stretching and, and mobilizing ourselves, but it's going to spark questions. It's going to spark curiosity about people who want to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a big plus for that community. Yeah, for the trainers out there looking for something new that's going to attract attention, the sticks are it. I mean, we've had – New York City is a hotbed for us, right? We have a lot of coaches in New York City. And some of them, they take the sticks on the subway to work with them every day. And so mm-hmm. they'll strike up conversations just sitting on the subway. Some of them will be like, what are those? And so you never know. who You, you might just pick up a client just because you're walking on the subway or you got them in your car, you're walking into the gym, and people go, oh. You know, uh, this is a stick actually, I had that experience. I had that experience in L.A. when I was meeting uh, Matt Barrick at Equinox to have a conversation with okay. him. I walked in with some of the sticks and uh, this guy walking out of Equinox goes, he yells over, he goes, stick mobility. I'm like, and I was just like, oh, you know who we are. I was like, oh, my God. But it, it just, it pops. Like you exactly. see them and you know exactly who, who what it is. For our listeners who don't know what the stick is, uh, what it looks like, it's just what, a six-foot stick, eight-foot stick? Yep, so here's a six-foot stick. Orange, bright orange. Bright orange with uh, black handles. Grips on them, yep. But the grips have little uh, nodules on them, so that way you get some better feedback. Okay. You know, and you're, if you, you're holding one, they're going to know what you're holding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's so, no mistake. There's no mistake. I really encourage our listeners and our followers to really look into the stick mobility because it's going to open up a world that you never knew existed. I know for me personally, it's helped me out a lot as, as a hockey player who loves mm-hmm. to play still. Uh, I'll be 50 this June. When we first started this company uh, and I was playing, a lot of hockey players get hip impingements. It's a yes. pretty common thing. Yes. Um, so especially for me being short, uh, going up and over the boards is a – it's literally a jump and a jump where mm-hmm. somebody like who's taller, it's a step over, right? A step over. So for yes. me, it's a jump and a jump. So my left hip uh, really had some issues. 
And so it was more a question of, wow, how much longer can I play? Uh, and since we've had the sticks and developed the system, that's dissipated. And so awesome. I don't have that question anymore. So, and so now it's gone to the idea of, wow, yeah, when I'm 60, 70, I'm still going to be out on that ice playing, playing hockey. That's the best feeling that you know that moving forward with the things that you're doing on a daily basis, the small changes, the small steps that you're doing now are going to have tremendous gains as you age. Mm-hmm. Now, and so that's nice to be, have, know that that's not going to be taken away from you. That's, that's awesome. You know, yeah. being a athletic person, being pe- someone who's been in the athletic field, you know, it's very important that I stay active, very important that I still stay somewhat competitive to an extent, you know, uh, blowing out my knee was a big, a big shot to my ego, a shot to my self-esteem because I wasn't able to play basketball anymore. You know, mm-hmm. even now I still have a little bit of lack of mobility because of the scar tissue. I don't have full extension mm-hmm. in my knee mm-hmm. and I have a little bit of weakness in my glutes. So that's what I'm trying to develop now. I was scrolling through Instagram as well and listening to Joe Rogan, which is another case right now. But, you know, we were touching base with knees over toe guy. And he's talking about a lot of the same things you're doing is you have to keep moving past these, uh, these planes of motion that they tell you to stop. You know, a lot of times they say, stop at 90, stop at here, stop there. It's not safe to go in range. But those are the places you need to develop your strength because that's where all the injuries, most of the injuries occur. Yeah, that, and that's the interesting thing in our in our industry is what what ideologies are you Following. buying into or prescribing to, right? And so, you know, it's it's I think everybody has a little bit of something that you can take from them. Of course. Uh, Neil and I really get when, when it comes to somebody that's like, this is the only way, of course, that's when Neil and I tend to say, okay, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. You know, you're one system out of a handful of systems. Of course. So each system has great things. And even with us, we know that there are certain things that we teach that some coaches will not, will not use. And there are some things that we teach that other coaches are like, oh, I'll use that, but they won't use it. But great because certain modalities, coaches specialize in certain techniques yes. and modalities. So they're going to find ways to go, okay, this will help amplify what I do here. This will improve what I do there. So we, we don't expect everybody to use everything that we teach them. But if they use, if they can pick out a handful of things that's really going to help benefit them and their clients, great. We've just given them more options. And that's why I think the more systems you learn, the more options you give yourself and the more, the more tools. tools you have. And, exactly. And really that's the best, that's the best thing out of everything. You're really, well, and I think as a, as kind of a rule of thumb with, with whatever system you're doing, whatever range of motion you're going through, it's just think of that gradual loading, you know, just start, start at zero, you know, go to one, go to two, just start easy. Cause then you can kind of, everyone has a different body, different body type. Of course, so everyone's range of motion is going to be different. So you've got to be able to feel and experiment yourself. That's true. We talked about that earlier in the, in the, in the episode about how we have to be able to know where we're at, where we're starting. And we can't go from zero to a hundred within a matter of days or, a ma- or yeah. even one day. You have mm-hmm. to learn your body and work with what you have. 
Yeah, and understanding what your dimensions are goes a big way, right? So understanding what your body type is and and what your lever lengths are, and if you have what your dimensions are. I mean, my my femurs are are, are short compared to my height, and my compared to my torso, my upper arms and my lower arms are the same length. So these create other limitations mm-hmm. that other people don't have. And, and I'm good with it. Like I understand this thing, but I think what's interesting is for the general public who don't understand the physics and the geometry and all that stuff that's, that we're looking at, they may get frustrated. They think they say, okay, well, that person does that. I should be able to do that too, without knowing that while well, you go, know, there's genetic factors that are going to limit you in not being able to get to that point doesn't mean you still don't work to try to get there but on a scale of one to ten that person's a ten you may top out at a six or a seven you know your ceiling is a little bit lower but it doesn't mean that you don't try to shoot for that ceiling though exactly you you shoot to be the best at what god gave you Mm -hmm. exactly you know a lot of times even in parenting we compare our parenting styles to other parents out and about but yet they may have more experience or they may have a different demeanor, different setup at home than what you have. Same thing comes when we talk about fitness. You know, as parents, we can't say, oh, I want to be like that person over there because you don't know their story, their life or their injuries or past history as well, or your injuries and in past history. You can't compare oranges to apples. Yes, Exactly. And so when we see people in comparison training, unfortunately, is a big thing nowadays. And it's it really been it's really been more detrimental than positive, I would say. Yeah. You know, and so because people see things, people see people doing amazing things and you forget that was probably years and years in the making, like yes. a long time. And guess what, folks, that person gets paid to do that. Yes. So that's his or her job. Yes. You don't have that. You punch a clock from nine to five. You got two or three kids. You just don't have that support system or that time. And if that's the case, then you've got to be able to be good with knowing the pros and the cons of your situation. Is there a certain procedure or certain routine that you follow? This goes for both of you, by the way. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, I know that some people will meditate, some people will read, they'll drink a gallon or a cup of water or eight ounces of water, and they will do some form of mobility. What does your morning routine look like? Man, my morning routine is chaos right now. I've got a <laughs> four-year-old and a year and a half-year-old. Oh yeah. Right now, the the sleep is just kind of hit or miss. Yeah. So it's it's basically dictated by by those two little ones right now. But the two but new bosses, right? There's always uh there's always coffee. Okay, coffee. <laughs> um, and then you know I'm just I'm active with them in the morning. Getting them ready gets me going. So that's okay. That's pretty good. And then you know I'm, I'll train in the morning too. Train my clients in the morning, so I'm moving. And that's that's typically enough to to get me moving in all these different you know planes of motion because even demoing a set or two to your clients. And I think that's a great way to do it. If you're, if you're a trainer, if you're training early in the morning, especially just go through that first set with your client. And then, yeah. Yeah. I'm not a morning person when it comes to working out. I, I've tried that for a long time and it's just uh, my energy level. I love working out mid afternoon 
uh, and typically evening. That's just the way I've always okay. been wired. So for me, my I get up in the morning. I just get, get right into my work day. Uh, I have, and I, I know what my appointments are, when my meetings are, calls are. So I got that all situated. I'm still very old school. I know people put stuff in their phone and I do do that more, but I still carry freaking pen and paper and I still write all my stuff down yeah. in, a, in a journal. So I mean, a day planner. So I still go old school like that so I can see it. Um, but then, yeah, when I come to the gym, I'll do a little bit. Typically, I've got maybe about 15 minutes. I usually sit on the floor, do some shin boxes, do some transitions, uh, get comfortable again, working that internal external rotation, work a little bit of thoracic rotation and some lateral lines, maybe do a little bit of hopping, get that lymphatic system pumping a little okay. bit more. That's a big thing for me now since we had our conversation with, we talked with Dr. Perry Nicholson on our podcast and he was talking about the importance of the lymphatic system. So since he t- was on talking to us about that, I've, that's taken a higher priority for me. So okay. just getting that pumping has been a big key for me. That's helped me feel a lot better, especially after years of traveling a lot, especially with all that time in the air and sitting, you know, you, you're not getting that fluid pumping. No. So uh, that's been a nice thing. So, um, and then usually yeah, in the afternoon, evening is when I kick my workout in. Awesome. You know, it's interesting because I've gone through spells where I'll work out in the morning, I'll work out in the evening, or I'll work out kind of in between. You know, there's no real rhyme or reason just because being a parent, you have to work with what you have. You know, I was going yeah, to work. So- I was at the gym or at my facility at six in the morning. I'd be done by two. So I had to schedule my meet, my workout sometime in that in that time. Now I'm going more nine to five because our schedules are changing. So I'm going to have to figure out how to work out between nine to five now, which is prime hours in the facility now. So that being said, how do you make sure that you get your mobility for the day in? Well, for me, it's just, just your general movement. That's the first thing, you know, just something as simple as just getting up and down off the floor, 10 different ways. Right. It's, it's quick. It's easy. It's just get up, get down 10 different patterns. That's a good start there. Uh, even if you have, like I said a little bit earlier, if you got a 10 minute break between clients mm-hmm. and you've got, you've got everything else taken care of, capitalize on that 10 minutes, grab a stick, do whatever, grab a towel, do whatever you need to, to okay. get some mobility work in it's 10 minutes. It's going to go a long way. Plus not only that, but, then that really reduces your warm up time before your workout. So for okay. me in the afternoon or evening, since I've spent 10, 15 minutes here and there earlier doing that stuff, then I'm prepped and ready to go just into my workout. So I've, I've done it there. Yes. There's been that separation of time, but my joints and my tissues still understand what to do. So I can typically just jump right into what I'm doing. You pretty much grooved the, uh the 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 joints pretty much all day then yeah the joints the connected tissue they're prepped they're already they're usually all they're on so then i can get right in and i feel very comfortable just loading up whatever i need to and it feels good right from the pick up yeah same with me i mean typically like i said i, I train people in the mornings um and what i'll do is i'll, I'll walk them through a lot of their warm-ups or through some of their motions and that's given me a lot. And then just chasing the kids around. I mean, you're all you're in all kinds of crazy positions. Oh yeah. All the oh, time. Yeah. So especially if they want to be I get a lot of flowing around and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Uh, they're playing superheroes, so they're hanging from the walls, and you're having to catch them in all these awkward positions. Well, it's because yeah. what? Well, the other two is you, you mimic your kids moving on the floor. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Try that. I was like, oh, let me see if I could copy my daughter here. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you get to position, you're like, nope, can't do that one. <laughs> you get that impingement in your hip somewhere, or then your back starts a little bit of tightness here and there. I'm like, oh, I got to move some more. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice assessment for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Now, if we could leave one golden nugget, one piece of information with our our listeners today. What would it be from you, Dennis? And what would it be from you, Neil? I mean, I think as a parent, um, your your time is it's very limited. But the one thing is it sometimes you're so tired it could be discouraging to like, I don't want to I'm too tired. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything. So even if you have 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, just go get something in, some kind of movement, whatever it is, whether it's it's lifting, whether it's mobility. And what's great about the boat, you know, stick mobility is you can get a combination of all of it, right? We can, you can get this stretch, but then you can create tension and strength. Um, and you can do this in, in 15 minutes. Um, and that goes a long way to just keeping overall joint health uh, and being able to move through space and all these different planes of motion. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. For me, it's, I don't want people to give up on themselves. And so the thing that we hear way too often is people that say, oh, I'm getting old. It's okay. It's not okay. When we see people, they're living life, their performance is on this plateau. And then all of a sudden it just drops like a cliff. They just fall off. We know that over a period of time, you're going to decrease in your capacity and performance, but we don't want it to look like this. We want it to be a nice, long, steady downslope. So that way, you have that longevity aspect of what we talked about with you have your kids that you want to be able to play with and hang out with and do things with, and then your grandkids down the road. And so you want to be that grandparent that is the cool grandparent because you can do things, right? Of course. So your grandkids are like, yeah, I played catch with my grandfather and my grandmother. And other kids are like, my grandparents don't do that. You know, they sit on a couch and they don't, they just stare at me. Right. So you want to be that, that grandparent that when you're going on vacation, you know, they call you up, Hey, let's go. And you're like, let's go. We got this. We can do this. Right. And it's not a question of, Oh, well, you know, I, I have limitations. I can't go do this. I can't go do that. So for us, it's for me personally, it's don't ever give up on yourself. Make sure that you take private, Take that time, a little bit of time to make yourself a priority because 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there will go a long way to doing absolute from absolutely doing nothing. Man, if I would have known that, I could have taught my grandparents that when I was younger, you know? My grandparents were that type of person where they sat on the couch, they couldn't move, they were older, you know? But these golden nuggets dropped today, everything we discussed is going to change the world around us. Little by little, one person at a time. I just want to thank you guys for coming onto the show, for allowing us to invade your space a little bit today and pick your brains. You know, we really appreciate you guys, all the work that you've done. And I want to thank our listeners today for allowing us to invade their personal space as well. And remember, live well, feel well, be nice, be kind. 
be courteous, love each other, have a great day.